Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index here on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. I am your host, Matt Topolsky, and joining me this week is, of course, Mo Chatra. Mo, welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Index, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Matt. It's great to be back as well. Well, it's great to have you back, my friend. And I'm also very excited because this week on the show, the architect of the Anfield Index is back with us. Gags Tanton. Gags, welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Index. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it feels weird. If it feels weird to be potting again. It's been a, it's been over a week last Sunday since I potted. So, yeah. Gosh, how how was your vacation? How was it to finally be away from work almost twenty four hours straight? Oh, world? it was nice, man. Nice to be away for five days. Really nice. Sunning it up in Spain. I forgot. I forgot <laughs> how to speak on podcast now. So if I start slurring and stuff. Well, I hope we have a couple of topics on this show tonight, which will uh, get your blood pumping a little bit. I think we will. I think we will once we get into the, the frustration angle oh, of the God, show. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about Hell in a Cell, obviously, from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, this past Sunday on the WWE Network. We're also going to talk about Monday Night Raw and then, of course, some of the frustrations that exist among wrestling fans and the discontent in the the WWE universe, if you will, regarding the current product on Monday nights. But let's get it started with Hell in a Cell, guys. Some big things occurred on the show. I was a big fan of what I saw, but let's start with you, Mo. Uh, in terms of a letter grade for this show, before we get into some of the highlights, what did you give the show overall, and what did you think? Well, I'd have to give it a B. Um, overall, it was a strong show, and uh, the main event in particular was certainly one of the best matches in the WWE this year. It was really uh, a very memorable match, almost on a par with some of the Undertaker's very, very best matches from WrestleManias in years gone by. And uh, a really intense match. And I think that's what made it um, so special in that one of the things I complained about a few weeks ago is that everything's so lighthearted and nothing's intense. And there was nothing lighthearted about that match. It was as intense as you get. Uh, Brock Lesnar and the Undertaker held nothing back quite literally and uh you know the the contest had um some fantastic heat to it and uh as a result it was one of the most uh, dramatic and uh, intense um matches of this year so uh that really topped off what otherwise was a a pretty strong show 
And, um, yeah, I was very pleased. What do you think, Gags? What would you give the show in terms of a letter grade, and what do you think overall? Well, I'm, I'm not going to argue with the, the expert. He's the analyst, and he's, if he's giving it a B, who am I to argue? <laughs> to be honest, he's been doing that for, for majority. Well, you have an opinion. You yeah, but opinion. he's been doing that majority of his life. I look a fool to go against it. No, no. <laughs> but I like a good argument as listeners. I, I think that um, it had its – it had – you know, good 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 points this show. I thought that Roman Reigns probably put in his best performance ever on a on a pay per view. I thought I think the Bray the the, the Bray match. I thought, they, I thought they were very good, weren't they? In that one, I thought you know, like you said, there was intensity. They looked like they pulled out all the all the you know all the stops as well. The spear through the table, the power bomb, you know, the side slam or whatever it was that that he did that Wyatt gave him. I thought you know they they tried to really get that crowd going and it was it started really good as well because bloody hell Del Rio got a pop didn't he I didn't yeah. I didn't expect him to get that big a pop I never ever thought much of him to be honest I know you guys I know people really really rate him but I never I always found him quite boring I don't know why I never found him as interesting as others so for him to get that that kind of pop shocked me but I suppose it's just the novelty as well of someone new coming back I mean someone coming back Again, I was surprised he came back after Harry left. I thought, yeah. you know, it was a CM Punk type, um, you know, departure. Not very happy. It was a pretty, it was a pretty ugly situation. Uh, yeah, so I was very accounts. surprised that he came back. And he won very clean as well. So uh, I guess that's a good thing to beat Cena clean. They really wanted to put him over. And uh, again, that continued to roar as well. But anyway, uh, I thought the, 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 the first Hell in a Cell match was very good. And then the one thing about I thought about Taker, Taker's match was different from what he's been doing in the last few years, where he's come back and he's looked really like rusty. I think the last couple of matches that he's had, or the last match he's had, it's it's put him into a bit better shape. I think he's probably going to be wrestling at um, Survivor Series as well now, and I think that's put him in good stead. I think he looks better than the last few years for sure. He's still definitely, old. Definitely looks better than Sting working in there. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, he does. But Sting was, you know, was made to look good with Rollins uh, for for how much he could, and then yeah. obviously he, he suffered a very bad injury, so you couldn't really blame him for that bit. And I know people were trying to kind of, you know, when the match was going on, they thought, "What the hell's going on with him? He's old, isn't that?" But it was a bad injury, wasn't it? So you you can't really blame him. But apart from that, I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the good thing about this is they've brought Taker back for a while, and he's going to be. It looks like he's he might be active, or you know he might probably get a couple of months off, but he'll definitely be in the Rumble, don't you think as well? I think they'll they'll keep him going, and uh, I don't know. It's a, what what do you guys think with that? I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I would Survivor yeah, Series. I would, I would tend to say I, I think Taker is is setting himself up here, or, or is already in the midst of of his final run. I mean, what do you think, Bo? Do you disagree? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, what we've seen is the big farewell tour culminating in one final match at WrestleMania. Um, we already saw on the pay-per-view um, adverts for Survivor Series where they noted it would be 25 years since the debut of The Undertaker at Survivor Series 1990. And um, on top of that, um, you know, we've got Royal Rumble a couple of months after that, and then we're into WrestleMania season. So... Yeah, it certainly looks like all fingers are pointing in the direction of Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family and uh, the Brothers of Destruction um, potentially um, engaging a program 
certainly revolving around rest, uh, sorry Survivor Series to start with, and that will perhaps rumble on in the months um, leading up to WrestleMania. And who knows who we might face at WrestleMania? Uh, I, I hope not, mate. I hope it's just for Survivor Series. I hope they don't drag the Brothers of Destruction and and the Wyatts on till Mania. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, that that's a that's a kind of few that you want to see over and done with as soon as possible. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly do think that. We'll be seeing um, a lot more of The Undertaker in the uh, weeks and months from Survivor Series onwards. And I wouldn't be surprised if the intention is is that he finishes his career at, uh, at uh, WrestleMania in March because that's in his home state of Texas. And uh, that would be a world record crowd for the WWE by all indications. So I what have better- a feeling. I have a feeling, Mo that they're going to do one last go with Taker and Lesnar, even though they've done it and they've said this is the last one. I, I have a feeling that because it's so intense that they're going to let Taker get his win back so that he's defeated every, he's defeated every opponent at Mania. So he leaves Mania with, with the one, but he's beaten everyone that he's faced. Do you get me? I, I, I don't know yeah. why. I just get the feeling that they might do that. Because I, I, I don't know. It's just weird. It just who else could he face that would be big at Mania? He needs a marquee opponent, and certainly that opponent would be a great opponent for him to face. But um, the way that the whole finish to the match went down the other night, I just think it was a bit too clean cut and a bit too much of a finality about the whole situation uh, for it to lead to anything further. I think it was always intended to be a trifecta of matches with Brock Lesnar because he'll be around for many more years to come um, to go over as part of this three-piece program. Um, so for me, I, d- I don't see that happening. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if The Undertaker's going to have one final match at that show, um, I-, I think there's other opponents he could potentially face, not necessarily as marquee as Brock Lesnar, but still um, opponents that he could go out on a winning note against. And... Um, you know, Sting is one of those obvious opponents that have been mentioned, but the way that he's been booked since he debuted hasn't been the best. So, so, so you, you think Sting will lose two Manias in a row? <laughs> I can't see it. Just... He's, he's, he's um, getting well paid, I guess, because otherwise, <laughs> yeah. why else would he be there? Because, I mean, they've all been, every time he's wrestled, he's, he's pretty much been jobbing, except for uh, one night on Raw a few weeks ago. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think um, it'd be a shame to have The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar again for a fourth occasion. I just don't think it would have the drawing power. Uh, I think three times is enough, and then when you start going four or five times, then uh, the allure kind of wears off. So i like this sim going in a different direction. Um, Sting's one possibility, certainly. Um, there might be others as well. Um, obviously, there aren't many... I'll bring Oops. up. I'll bring up the other later. I've got. I've got an idea. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I. I like. I like the fact that um, you know he's in a program right now with the Wyatts, and then it seems like the Undertaker is going to be a more regular part of the roster, at least for the special events every month, leading uh, into WrestleMania season. Because I think it does give them a lot of options. And Mo, you, I think you you hit on an interesting point as well, is that if we know for a fact, if it. If, that WWE has a lot of different ways they could go with this because if they know for a fact that WrestleMania 32 will be, no pun intended, The Undertaker's last ride, then 
if that's the case, they could pretty much put him with anybody and it will draw because people are going to be coming to see The Undertaker one last time. Um, so you're getting, you're getting my ticket, yeah? I will. Yes, we we uh, <laughs> we'll have to talk about that off air. But yes, uh, we. we that, that no, no, here. I want to put it on there. I want people to know. <laughs> I am going to be at Mania. Hopefully, people. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, you know the great thing about Mania is tickets start at just eighteen dollars. So, wow. <laughs> that, so uh, bring your binoculars. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, listen. I mean, they have so many different things that they can do with the Undertaker. Like for example, and I know there are some people that are not going to be this high on the idea. But if you know it's the Undertaker's last match, you could set up a program between Taker and Kane after the uh, the Wyatt thing falls apart. Maybe Kane turns on his brother. Who knows? And it's brother versus brother in his last match. I mean, I'm just saying, would that be the optimal solution? Probably not. But if Sting can't go. It's an option, and I don't know that we're going to see Sting at WrestleMania 32, to be honest, because that was a pretty wicked neck injury that he sustained. That would be the worst-case scenario. Honestly, Kane versus Taker. Uh, I mean, like, like you just said, Mo, the, the Lesnar versus Taker things, you know, it'll be, it'll be too much. This would be, this would be way too much. We've seen it so much <laughs> in the past. I don't know what they could do to top what they've already done, you know. Well, can you imagine the video package if they try to <laughs> recap their feuds? That'll take up four hours on its own. <laughs> it would be a buried alive Inferno Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, let's 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 run down the card very briefly of, of what we saw on Hell in a Cell so we can talk about some of these things more in depth. I'm not even going to discuss the pre-show because if you're putting Cesaro on the pre-show, I'm sorry, I'm not going to discuss it. Um, that's a, a travesty in itself. Let's move on and start with the biggest surprise, I think, of the night, and it started from the very beginning. It was Alberto Del Rio making his return to WWE. Now, Gags, I know you're not a big fan of Del Rio's. Myself, he's one of my favorite workers in the business. I, I love Del Rio. I was very excited to see him back. I was surprised to see him back. I have to give my co-host on Reality of Wrestling, Brad Gilmore, some props in this show because he called it uh, and accurately predicted that it was going to happen. I didn't think Del Rio would repair his relationship with WWE. Um, and he wins clean, which is amazing that Del Rio wins clean with a kick to the head on Cena when for months we've seen Seth Rollins do the most unbelievable things to John Cena and he continues to kick out, which is what I thought was the great WWE hypocrisy in all of this. But it was nice to see Del Rio win clean, and now Cena will go away for a while. That's what do huge. you guys think? That's, that's what you, your point that you just made is huge. That's partly the problem of the, the, the product right now, is that there's no consistency at all. None. You know, at least, at least give Cena a couple of kickouts and make it look a decent fight, you know, uh, because now it just makes the champ look stupid. You know, you just made Seth Rollins look stupid because that's how people should be watching wrestling is in depth. I know some people watch it casually and for fun, but if you're watching it and you work in it like you do, Matt, that's, that's the type of analysis you think and you go, yeah, okay, it's just not believable. You know, we need this to be tighter. It needs to be a tighter game. It needs to be a tighter ship. It's just all over the place in terms of booking. And that's that's one of the massive points you just made there. It makes no sense. It's nice to see uh, the guy go over clean, winning the championship, going over clean, because it makes him look strong. And that's that's a plus point. But the rest of it just makes... If you look at everything else, like you said, it's, it's a bit of a, a poo-poo situation. But yeah, okay, you, you like Del Rio. 
I, I've never seen what, what what's so good about him. Yeah, he's had some great matches, etc. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I think some of you made the point that it's the Hispanic, you know, it gets over that, that, um, what do you say? What do you call it? The demographic. That's it. It gets the demographic yeah. and it I brings mean, they them are, in. Yeah, Jim Ross pointed out on Twitter. And he's, he's right to a certain extent. I mean, that, that definitely plays in. I mean, WWE doesn't have Rey Mysterio anymore. The Lucha Dragons are not featured prominently on, on the show, at least prominently enough for a large Latino audience. You're also coming into WrestleMania season. And WrestleMania is in Dallas, Texas, a huge Hispanic population. Massive. You need Hispanic stars. And, uh, I mean, but regardless... But, Matt, isn't that every, every stadium will be hugely Hispanic as well for wrestling? You know, in, in the States, it's got to be. There's got to be a big crowd, you know, big part of the crowd that's going to be Hispanic. I mean, I think it would definitely depend on, on what region of the country that you're in. I know right. for a fact, I mean, here here in Texas, obviously, and me living in Houston, it's obviously a big part. And you, you can catch a Lucha show uh, quite often in and around this area, especially if you head down to the valley. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it's, it does play a big part in it. And I think you'll see Del Rio featured prominently um, at WrestleMania b- because of it. So I think it's smart business uh, by WWE to to mend fences and bring him back. And to be fair, from what everyone's heard about the reason why Del Rio left in the first place, it was because somebody made a racist comment to him and he slapped the shit out of that person. That person just happened to be an employee of the company. But if somebody made a comment like that to me, I would do the same thing. And I would too. So, you know, Del Del Rio, uh, so if anything, I only gained more respect for Del Rio when I heard the story. But he was never happy though, was he? At the time either, in terms of, there were rumors that he wasn't happy before that anyway. There was... You know, trouble in paradise type thing. He wasn't happy with how the, how much they were working, this and that. You know, so I think yeah, he was you know, it, some burnout as well. I mean, yes. he had been there for a number of years, and uh, I think he was just getting a bit tired. And I think creative also um, it's an old cliche, but they were out of ideas for him, and uh, he wasn't really going anywhere. And I think that's part of the reason why gags um, you weren't too into him, and I, I, I was the same. I was quite indifferent towards him. I thought that. Most of what he was doing was just not not really interesting. No, um, wasn't seen all. it all before, mm. and uh, you know I think it was good that he went away. Um, I enjoyed his work in Lucha Underground. Um, yes, I know he's done some good work in AAA as well, and I hope he's come back refreshed and with some new ideas, and we see something different out of him. And if he goes back to the old Del Rio, then I'm not too keen. But if he comes in with a slightly different angle to him, then that's great. I mean, he's been been paired with uh, Zeb Corto who returned, uh, we should note as well, um, which is perhaps the, the oddest pairing ever seen since uh, J. Howard Marshall in the Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit bizarre, that one. But, uh, you know... Uh, but he looks in good shape and he was moving around very, very agile. You know, he was doing yeah. all the kicks and top rope stuff. Everything was looking really good. I mean, I'm not saying um, he's bad, but from what I saw... Uh, Helen Cell and Raw, he looked really good. He did look good. Yeah. Well, and I think that 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 the the late part of that last run for Del Rio and WWE is also a product of of poor booking. In, in the same way that Seth Rollins has been a product of poor booking. I mean, if you look like what Mo pointed out, you enjoyed his work in Lucha Underground. Well, that's because Alberto El Patron was allowed to be himself. Um, and in WWE, you see a whitewashed version of. Alberto El Patron uh, and if we get to see more of the Del Rio that's uh, the exciting and edgy uh, star that we've seen him be in AAA and that we've seen him be in Lucha Underground 
then I think you have real star power on your hands. But unfortunately, and as we'll get to the frustrations later with Raw, a lot of these guys are not given that opportunity to be the full extension of themselves, which um, brings me to the next match featuring Roman Reigns, who's another guy that's had an identity crisis over the last year, uh, ever since um, he was almost booed out of the building leading up to that WrestleMania where he lost in the main event. And I think that ending was probably changed because of the crowd reactions. Um, I believe it was you, Gags, that pointed out um, Roman Reigns had a great showing against Bray Wyatt. I thought as well it was one of his best matches that he's had. Uh, mm. Mo, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I mean, it was quite different in that um, it was a lot longer than a normal undercard match for that point in the show. Um, but they paced it really well and um, finished it um, as they should in a long match. And uh, it was good to see Reigns go over because I think that um, the plan is to have him program against uh, Seth Rollins. So he needed to win. Um, he needed to move on from this program. He, him and Wyatt on and off have been feuding for a number of months now. So it was time to see the back of that. And I think they handled that perfectly well. And it was booked just right. So all, all over, that was a big thumbs up for me. There were some innovative parts of the, of the, of the match as well, where they were putting kendo sticks in places and chairs within the cell, like stuck out, you know, into the cell and stuff. So maybe I've missed a few Hell in the Cells, but I've not seen stuff like that before. So. Um, yeah, they that, also that, that they also broke good. three tables in the match as well, which yeah, I was like, "Wow, this is impressive." Yeah, because that, that's never happened before in this either. So, um, <laughs> the tables have been broken outside by Mick Foley, but not for not within this. Not usually inside. No. Yeah. So, yeah, props to them for trying to make it different, and obviously they had to with two Hell in a Cell matches on the same, you know, in the same card. So, yeah, I still think Roman Reigns won't be what they want him to be. I can't see him being the big baby face that he desperately needs a heel turn because they will boo the shit out of him. They will absolutely hate on him because he's hated as it is. And I think they will, he really, he is one of the characters that is such an easy turn, you know, um, just bring, for example, Brian in for, for a few minutes just to get the shit, kick shit, you know, beat the shit out of him because it will, it will get him heat, you know, that, that little things like that. I don't know why they don't do things like that, but he will get heat. He will, if, if if they turn him, he might just become a decent baby face in the long run, but he's one of those like a rock, you know, the rock. He needed that heel turn. I think he needs it. I really do. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they'll take to him. Yeah, he wasn't quite ready um, when they decided to give him the rocket up his backside to try and push him to the moon and make him the champion. And, uh, you know, he, he was another guy who suffered a backlash as a result of not being Daniel Bryan at a Royal Rumble. And um, the fans desperately wanted Daniel Bryan to win um, at the Rumble this year. <laughs> even and Ray Mysterio got fucking booed. <laughs> he did. I mean, they even had the rock come out there to try and get um, the fans to cheer for... Uh, Reigns and they cheered for about 10 seconds before they uh, went back to booing and they weren't happy. And uh, we saw that the year before with uh, Batista as well. Um, so, you know, that's a bit unfortunate and he's still suffering as a result of that. And I think the hardcore fan base who do tend to predominantly attend some of these bigger shows, uh, such as SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, obviously WrestleMania, uh, will be out in force at Survivor Series. So, if it's he and Rollins for the title, um, yeah, you're right. He, he will get a very strong negative backlash. Uh, but 
that that's the way that the company wants to go. They are persisting with him as a baby face and, you know, is obvious as it seems that he needs to go heel. I just don't think they're going to do that. I think if anything, um, it could be something like Dean Ambrose that goes heel, but, you know, we'll come on to that as well later on. You know, Mo, you had brought up an interesting point uh, just a few seconds ago, which I want to touch on before we move on to the next match. You had said that at the time, which I, I'm assuming was WrestleMania for the main event, that Roman Reigns wasn't necessarily ready yet. Um, on that point, do you think that he's evolved now from from that position to where he's ready to take take the reins and, and become the guy? I think he has certainly improved. Um, I think his in-ring work was already very good um, earlier in the year. And um, I think that's one of the more underrated parts of his um, arsenal. And the thing that he really was getting a lot of criticism for was his personality and his promos. And I feel sorry for the guy because, you know, he was out there cutting the promos that the script writers were giving to him. And the material he was being fed was just absolutely horrendous. Of all the guys on the roster, all the girls on the roster, he was being given by far the worst material to come out and, uh, um, delivery every week and uh, that was turning the fans against him even more uh, following the Royal Rumble so the WWF uh, sorry WWE bookers just really really um, made a roll thrown back with really poor booking and uh, it, they've got themselves to blame I, I, I don't think it's so much him but um, nonetheless the promos were still uh, not good I mean even though the material was poor uh, the delivery wasn't that great um, I think that has come along and he's a bit more natural in the way he delivers promos. And he's not one of these types that shouts and accentuates every word. Um, like, like Sir Heyman, for example, um, he's a more of an understated guy in terms of his delivery. And I think that he can get over with that. Um, and, uh, by trying to be different, that's where he was falling short earlier in the year. So yeah, I think he's coming along and, um, I agree with Gagzo. I think he'll turn, uh, to kind of build some momentum back uh, would be the right thing to do. But I just don't think WWE is inclined to do that. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Uh, let's move on to the tag team championship matchup between the New Day and the Dudley Boys. The New Day absolutely on fire. Unfortunately, Xavier Woods was unable to join them because of an injury. He was put through the table uh, by the Dudley Boys. In real life, he was actually getting married, but a uh, good way to cover it for kayfabe. Um and uh, the Dudley boys uh, had a little botchamania moment at the beginning of this match. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but otherwise a very entertaining matchup and the new day over as uh, to remain champions, which I believe they should. Uh, Gags, what did you think of this matchup between the new day and the Dudley boys? Can the Dudley boys still go? <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think uh, as long as they are a tag team, they'll be fine. And as long as they're facing teams that can go, that are young and agile like these two are, you know, Biggie's, Biggie's improving so much. You know, every, every show he improves. I think he's, his personality is so much better than what it used to be. And that's one of the things you notice with him now, watching him now and when he first came, you know, the facial expressions and everything and the dancing and, I think it's just a very interesting act, isn't it? And Kofi is just loving being heel, isn't he? He's just he again. He's he's so much better as well. The way he talks down to people and stuff like yes. <laughs> or, or if he's at ringside or if he's in the ring, and you just find him quite funny. I think they're quite quite a, a, a you know comedic type of champions, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, I think the Dudleys are there to add 
name value to the tag team division. And I think what they do is they do solidify it because they've won it so many times and they will win it. It might be Mania. Uh, it might, well, it might be one of the big events. So it might be um, Survivor Series or Rumble. But they'll win it somewhere to get that tenth one. I wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if they chase it all the way to Mania, to be honest, so that they get a good a good moment there. But um, and hopefully the Usos. I don't know if the Usos will be back by then, but you could probably see a tables, ladders, chairs match or something going on. You know, one, one at, would at at, at, uh, at Mania. So and they win it at that point. But yeah, I, I mean the match again. It's not what it used to be. They're not what they used to be. So you can't expect. You know, five star, four star matches. It's not the Hardys. It's not Edge and Christian, and they're not young. So I think they just they've just got that spot on the card where they want people to give a pop, a cheap pop. You know, yeah. Devon get the tables. That's that's their role right now, I think, and to give uh, a bit of a rub to the new teams. That's what's going to happen if they do win it. They'll start giving rub to to other new teams and and maybe you know lose to a couple of them, lose the championships and. Elevate a few tag teams. That's their role now, I think. Honestly, that's like a fr- friend of mine said uh, the other day. They're the uh, the Chris Jericho of the the tag team division. Exactly. And you know what? Um, they will never be boring. That's the thing. People will always want to see tables. Always, always, always want to see tables. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how, when when they first came back. How loud was the pop? And every time they say it, Devon, it's probably one of the loudest things you hear. In the state, in 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 the in the you know in the arena, so yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think they're a good act, and I think they've got something to give. Um, I slightly disagree, though, in that Bob Ray Dudley, when he was in TNA as Bully Ray, uh, was doing probably the best work of his entire career. And when you think about that, that's quite a statement because some of the work he did with Devon in the early days in ECW and also during the Attitude Era, it was fantastic, magnificent work. Uh, but his work as Bully Ray, I thought was at a different level beyond whatever he'd done earlier in his career. Uh, really, really good, uh, really absorbing character, um, very good promos, um, a really credible singles act. And um, I think if WWE if ever wanted to do something different with him, um, there's certainly the potential to resurrect that kind of career character rather but uh, WWE, as we know from history, very rarely likes to use other people's ideas. And um, but they've just invested try- in Devon as well, haven't they? Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean they've brought him back, so I think their intention is to keep those two together, and as you say, to um, keep them as the Chris Jericho of the tag team division, yeah. as the veterans to put over the younger guys. Um, but certainly. Uh, Bubba Ray's got something more than that and uh, I think if they ever feel their run as a tag team is over um, I'd like to see them do something different with Bubba and bring the Bully Ray character back even if they want to call it something else that's fine by me Um, but that character was great and uh, if they can give that a try I think he'd really impress people well I mean I think it's kind of a package deal with them being there, I mean, he may have something to offer uh, in singles, but I mean, when a tree falls in the forest, I mean, you talk about TNA, it's interesting. You can go back and listen to the late Rowdy Piper's podcast in which he was interviewing uh, then Bully Ray, and it took him 45 minutes nearly into the interview before he realized he was interviewing Bubba Ray Dudley. So, <laughs> I mean, and that's Rowdy Piper. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, that just kind of goes to show you um, the, the state of TNA. 
Um, let's talk about the Divas matchup, guys, because I know there are some strong opinions about Nikki Bella. We saw them on Twitter yesterday. Twitter was blowing up about Nikki Bella. And um, Mo, why don't we start with you? What did you think of Charlotte versus Nikki Bella for the Divas title? Well, what can I say? Um, <laughs> Nikki Bella is somebody who's The floor who is yours. <laughs> I mean, I know that your co-host um, on your opinion doesn't matter. Um, that is what your other podcast is yes. called. Yes, okay. yes, Bradley Gilmore, yes. Yes. Young Bradley. Yes, Nikki Bell is number one fan, and I think it's fair to say he and I disagree on um, exactly how good or otherwise Nikki is as a worker. I watched this match, and I thought, okay, by her standards, it's it's a good performance. Um, by your average everyday performance standards, it's it's uh, below par. I still wasn't that impressed. Um, I thought she stiffed Charlotte and um, busted up her nose, which was poor. She botched a spot in the corner, um, a high spot that they had to do, and that was botched. And on top of that, um, there was a figure four reversal spot. Now, for a long, long time, for decades almost, when you reverse a figure four, the person that's the victim of that move, when it's reversed, is supposed to have the momentum and is supposed to be actually applying um, pressure to the person that was originally applying it. And yet, when they flip the move over, she, instead of trying to make out she was in control of it, was instead reaching for the ropes. It was completely the wrong psychology to what we've always seen in that figure four reversal spot. So that, again, was really poor from Nikki Bella. Um, so, you know, Gags, you talked about people who pay in-depth attention. So I was paying particularly close attention to Nikki. And I've got to say, um, it wasn't a pre- that impressive. Um, that said, the match itself was pretty good um, by WWE Diva standards. I thought Charlotte carried the match. She's a fantastic worker. She's somebody who impressed earlier in the year in NXT. And um, I'd like to see more of Charlotte. I'd like to see more of Sasha Banks. I'd like to see more of Bailey. I'd like to see her come into the main roster sooner rather than later. And um, these are the girls that can really make the Divas Revolution uh, something. Uh, with Nikki Bella, she will never be more than um, a half-decent worker. And so it's only right that somebody of her limited capabilities is um, pushed to one side and allowing the more talented girls to come to the fore and really show everyone else and the entire WWE universe what women's wrestling is all about. But, I mean, to be fair, though, uh, to be fair, she's been in WWE since 2007, I believe. She's had some really great moments. Her didn't and Brie. they leave at one point? Didn't they, they did. They left. They left for a short period of time um, to do some kind of modeling thing or something. I'm not sure exactly if that's right. Um, something like that. And then they came. Oh, they back. flopped to that as well. Yeah. But yeah, when but they I came mean, back, they got a big push. I mean, but I mean, the thing is, is that I, I is she? Here's the thing: is she a bad worker, or is there sentiment out there that because she's in a relationship with John Cena? that she's getting preferential treatment. And because people think that's occurring, that's the reason why they're not a fan. Because there are a lot of other divas that are in the division that I I don't necessarily agree are better workers than she is. I mean, she's a three-time divas champion. She's been with the company for for more than half a decade. She's a tenured uh, female wrestler and, and athlete in WWE. And I think that she deserves a lot more respect than she's getting, to be quite honest. I'm not... I'm not saying she's the greatest worker in the world. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying she's a better worker than Charlotte because I think 
we both can agree Charlotte's a better worker. But but in terms of, of a better talker, I mean, Nikki Bella's a much better talker than Charlotte is. Nikki Bella has considerably more charisma than Charlotte well, does. And TV I love star. Charlotte, but Charlotte has a long way to go before she reaches that level as a total package. She's what, a what, what do you star. think, Gag? She's a TV star. That's what the Bella twins are. They're, te- they're made for television. And um, that's why they've probably gone so far is because they have the diva show as well. And they uh, and, they're, to, and they're, they they're, they're the stars of that, you know. And but no Raw is a te- Raw is a television show. It is a cable oh, episodic oh, television yes, but, program. But the, the the reality show is different, right? That other reality show is totally different, and and that's quite a success for them, isn't it? it, it even though it's whatever the ratings are, that's that's deemed successful for them. And and I think they it's it's based around these two, you know, these two, and obviously they're both dating prominent. Well were uh <laughs> one's married to one so uh he, he we'll talk about him later but basically it, it's true you do end up being put into those positions like you said she's not a bad worker you when you watch her, her matches you know they've not been that bad but i think what's happened is nxt turns up and you and we've never had any interest wwe has never shown any interest in the divas division okay never it's always been Really quick matches, four or five minutes, and they always bought on after a big, big fight or a big match on the card uh, as filler in between the next big match, and they never get a decent run. And how much can you actually show, Matt? How much, Mo, uh, Mo, yeah, how much can you actually show? Uh, have they ever been positioned like they've been positioned now when NXT turns up and they've got these excellent workers in NXT who have been giving 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes main events to show off what they a can thir- do. A 30 minute Iron Man match in the main event. I mean, and that's the thing too is that and and, and I don't I don't know whether Nikki would fit into that or not, but I mean Nikki's star power helps the brand. And and, and I, it's just it's just that simple. Now, I don't like, you know, when we talk about the Divas revolution, I'm not a fan of this idea that okay, because it's working in NXT, let's do something. Let's do something with the girls on Raw, but nothing like what we're doing on NXT. So NXT features a 30-minute Iron Man or Iron Woman match, if you want to call it that, um, on NXT, and it main events the show, and it tears the house down, and it's spectacular. So then on Raw, we're going to have a six-woman tag match each and every single week, and eventually people get exhausted. People are exhausted after the first time that you do it. Why are you consistently having six-man tag matches with these women? Or why are you having a five-minute Divas match featuring the Divas champion on Raw? I mean, the show is three hours. You have more time to work with than that, and I think that's part of the frustration. Um, but I just think overall, and it's just my opinion, and you know, it, it's worth what, whatever, but um, I, I think Nikki Bella kind of gets um, an unfair um, slack from, from a lot of people, especially in the internet wrestling community and I mean. online. And and that's I mean she, Fair enough. her her Fair I mean enough. Her, her listen her career speaks for itself I mean she's been a part of WWE for seven years now she's a three time Divas champion and and when it's all said and done she'll be remembered as one of the more prominent Divas in the history okay, of the company Matt, she's getting more stick nowadays though because of the new NXT generation if you think about it there's something to compare to and I and, agree and those are those are phenomenal athletes like a, why the hell is Sasha Banks not being pushed to to the to the clouds. I yeah. think that's a great question, but and, and Sasha Banks gets over with the crowd, and that's a conversation about organics, which we can talk about when, when we bring up Daniel Bryan later. 
But oh, yes. uh, I mean, the, you talk about Bailey. Bailey's a great worker, but Bailey gets on Raw and stinks up the place. She gets mm-hmm. no reaction at all. So, I mean, you've got to have stars that can also translate to a casual audience. Nikki Bella translates to a casual audience. Bailey, unfortunately, does not translate to a casual audience. And that's the problem that WWE's always had with indie talent. There's some indie talent they can bring up through NXT and they can grow them and help them blossom into the world beaters that they are today, like the Seth Rollins of the world or the Kevin Owens. There are other ones that need considerably more work and just aren't there yet. And there's a big difference between entertaining a few hundred or a thousand people at Full Sail University or in Orlando and entertaining 14, 15, 18, 20,000 people at an arena for Monday Night Raw. A huge difference between the two things. Okay. If I can, if I can just very quickly add to that before we move on. Yes. Um, right. Here's the thing. The WWE Divas division for a long, long time, as 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 Gabe pointed out, being filler, it's been there to take the crowd down when they've just had a hot match before the next hot match turns up, and and that's fine, and that that's what it was, and that's what Nikki Nikki Bella was used to doing, just going out there having matches that didn't really matter, and moving on, and um, now that it's a different world where they're being asked to go out and have ten minute matches, fifteen minute matches. Um, she's she's just showing that she's not at the level of the other girls, and I agree that personality-wise, she certainly has more to offer. And you know, when it comes to looks, no doubt, absolutely no doubt, she is the hottest girl in the division. Um, but I'm talking purely about what goes on bell to bell, and in my view, I look at the WWE divas, and I think she's towards the bottom of the list. Um, I look at the likes of Paige, I look at the likes of Charlotte, um, Sasha Banks, even girls in NXT who have yet to come in, um, like Kana, for example. Um, they're all, um, Asuka, sorry, as, as she's now known, um, they're all um, much more talented, much more gifted in terms of assembling a wrestling match and pulling it together. And I think Nikki's um, been working too long in a style which she was taught to do, which was go out there, have four or five minute matches. You're not allowed to go out there and do anything that's too flashy, too impressive, and then uh, go home. And that's what she was used to doing. And she's trying to adapt, but you know, the game has passed her by and um, the standards of uh, the girls, the younger girls is just at a different level. Um, so that's unfortunately why um, the WWE Divas revolution hasn't really been the success that the company was hoping it was going to be because for the first three months of the Divas Revolution, it was all still based around Nikki Bella. And I think the only chance it has of succeeding is if Nikki Bella is uh, pushed to one side and the spotlight's off her and others like Sasha Banks, as we mentioned earlier, um, are given a chance to shine and for her to be in the spotlight. And I'd like to see, as I've been talking about for weeks, Charlotte and Sasha Banks as the prominent program over that championship. And if that happens... I think that it won't be long before we see a Divas match main event rule. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll agree with you on that. I think Sasha Banks and Charlotte would be what's best for business. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. For the Divas Division and the Divas Revolution. Um, guys, for purposes of time, because we still have a lot to cover, uh, really quickly, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship matchup between Seth Rollins and Kane. Rollins victorious. Quick thoughts on this, uh, on this matchup. Uh, do either of you all have anything to add other than the fact that I think we can all agree Rollins going over was the right decision? Uh, I just want to say, what the fuck is Kane doing in <laughs> okay. a, in a world title match? What the hell is that about? I haven't been on the show for a while, and I just want to say that's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous booking. And I, I, you know, I'd like to say, I'd like to say that it was done for the purposes of protecting Rollins and extending his title run, but they've booked Rollins so goddamn poorly. For months, getting that I can't into say a that ring either. and yeah. all that bullshit. I'm sorry, it just there's no words. This match is just wiped from my memory because it means nothing to me. I will. Rollins should be. It should be all about Rollins. This company should be all about this guy. This guy's uh, the way he handles himself, as in on the mic, on commentary. In in a in a match, the guy is everything. Absolutely brilliant. And when they were talking about Hall of Fame, one day he will go in it because he's that good, and he will be that good, and he will win many more titles when he loses this one. Eventually, when he does, because he's he's fucking fantastic. He will be like the next Shawn Michaels. He's that good. He could he could he could fight. He could go with anybody in that ring as long as he stays injury free. This guy's going to be huge, and it's just such a shame what they're doing with him. Such a shame. Oh? Yeah, I agree. Um, completely echo those sentiments. And uh, yeah, when your ratings are in the tank and in the toilet, um, turning to Kane as your savior is just absolutely the most mind-boggling thing possibly in the history of the company. And that's really saying something uh, with all the mind-boggling things that they've done in their past. Um, the, the quicker this is over, the better, really. Um, they, they just need to retire the guy. He's got absolutely nothing to offer. Everything he could possibly have done, he's done. It's time for him to kind of go into an office role, maybe go into NXT work behind the scenes. Um, but anything other than 
appearing weekly on Raw because the whole character is just completely, completely overexposed and uh, nothing more to give, nothing more to offer. So thank you for your 20 years in the business in the WWE, but retire, guy, because it is just silly now. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship matchup, Kevin Owens defeating Ryback, obviously the right decision made here. Um, any thoughts on this, guys? Mo, we'll start with you. What do you think of this matchup? Well, um, Kevin Owens and Ryback was short and sweet. And, uh, you know, that was probably for the best. Uh, Ryback isn't really great in longer matches. Um, Kevin Owens can have a good match with anyone. And um, it was it was definitely the right thing for him to retain the title and um, move in a different direction. And um, it was pretty much what it should have been. So I was happy with it. Gags? This is the other guy in the company that we should build around. <laughs> right, right. So, well, you talking about Ryback, right? No way. <laughs> Kevin Owens should have gone in there and beat the shit out of him for 10 minutes and just absolutely buried him. That's how that should have gone. It should oh, have just right. been simple as that because I just, oh man, Ryback is just infuriating as well. Well, how he gets a spot uh, as high as he does is, is beyond belief. He's a body guy. I mean, that's he's no good. No. And Kevin Owens for being such a big guy. So agile can tell a story, uh, everything. Again, another one that's come from the Indies that is going to be huge if they use him correctly. And he is being built right. Uh, He's got the title and I don't think they actually mess with his character at all. He doesn't look weak. Um, well, that's in my opinion. I don't watch. Well, you know, he's one of the only ones that's recovered uh, from a program with Cena recently. Yeah, I just don't think he he can he'll lose it because that beating Cena that one time, the first one, was was big enough was big enough really for him to get that legitimacy, and that's what it did for him. It gave him legitimacy, and then he's won the title as well. He's been next champion, uh, NXT champion, next champion. He's been NXT champion. Now he's now he's the Intercontinental champion, and um, only big things for him in the next two years, I think. He he will be world champion within the next two years, I reckon. I honestly do. Uh, he's um, he got yeah. Him going over was was obviously the the only way to go, and uh, it's a it's a bit of a shame. I suppose uh, yeah. I mean, we're going to go to Raw in a minute. I'll talk about him and Raw in a sec, but yeah, okay. uh, maybe well, it's the correct decision. But yeah. Well, let's cover the main event for Hell in the Cell before we move on to uh, you know our thoughts and frustrations, if you will, regarding Raw. Uh, Brock Lesnar defeats The Undertaker inside uh, the Hell in the Cell structure. I thought this was one of the best Hell in the Cell matches I've seen, um, and I've been watching wrestling since I've been about you know four years old, three or four years old. So this is you know, and for as long as the Hell in the Cell concept has existed, I thought these guys told a great story. I thought they beat the hell out of each other. Um, it is a pleasure. It really is an honor and a pleasure to continue to see The Undertaker work especially this late into his career, and to put performances like that in. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, you need to take your hat off to The Undertaker because he's taking years off of his life by putting performances in like this. And, of course, Brock Lesnar. What more can you say about this guy? Um, it's, it's as if, I, to, in my opinion, Brock Lesnar, it's as if that first time, that first run in WWE almost didn't even exist compared to the Brock Lesnar that we're seeing now. Um, so I was thoroughly entertained by this matchup. I thought it was one of the best matches of the year. Mo, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. It was a um, really uh, epic contest. It was uh, dramatic. The blood, which has been quite a controversial topic 
um, last couple of days in terms of whether Vince McMahon was furious about uh, blood in the match or not. Um, only added to the drama, and uh, it was it was really well done, and it was the right thing to do, completely the right thing to do for Brock Lesnar to go over. Had the Undertaker won, it would have served really no purpose, and it would have damaged um, Lesnar's aura. He's got a special aura about him. He's a unique attraction, unique individual, and they need to protect him. And um, he's a part-timer, but the reason why he's so unique and so special is because he's a part-timer. And, um, you know, we probably won't see him again for another two, three months now, possibly until around the Royal Rumble time. Uh, but they use him just right. And uh, it was the right way to book the match, the right result. And um, as you say, it was one of the best matches this year. So all all things considered, it was just a major triumph. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this matchup uh, before we move on, Gags? Yeah, it, it you know it's fantastic that he can still go at this at, at his age, and he's still pulling out those false finishes. You know, <laughs> those the Undertaker matches are, are famous for for um, thinking it's over, but then it not being over, <laughs> and, and and you know all those WrestleManias and pulled another one out the bag, and again they made it different by ripping the the um, the, the the ring up. The, the match, you know, they, they've never seen something like that before and exposing the, the boards underneath and stuff. So again, they, they, they made it totally different to the, the Hell in Itself from the earlier in, in, in the night. They made it memorable. You won't forget it. And, uh, both guys bleeding, like you said, everything was, was spot on. And, um, it did, and they were advertising him for, for, for Survivor Series. So what's not to love about that? I know he needs a worker in there. And to be honest, going in, I actually thought I was worried about this match because I thought, how can they top the others? And also, in a cell, how's, how's Taker going to take this? You know? But yeah. bloody hell, he proved me no, wrong it was, again. It was un- oh. and, it's, and how much more can you see in a Hell in a Cell match? Because they, you know, they, they most often turn into spot fests and there's so many gimmicks. But I've never seen someone tear up the canvas before. And uh, and take bumps on the exposed wood. Yep. Uh, so you know what? Props to those guys for being creative and for putting on one hell of a match. Um, let's move now into Monday Night Raw, the, <laughs> the follow up to all this and what we all feared. I didn't watch all of Raw. I watched some of Raw. I wasn't compelled to watch all of Raw, and this is this is the conundrum because I watched Hell in the Cell. I thought it was the best show of the year for me, and. I still wasn't excited to watch Raw because I knew what Raw was going to deliver. Raw delivered just about my expectations. There were a couple of good moments. I thought the main event of the show was good, which we'll talk about here in a a second. Um, But overall, I thought the show was relatively disappointing. And interestingly enough, I have some numbers here in front of me, gentlemen. We can talk about this. Raw ranked number three in the United States among non-sporting events for the night in the Nielsen ratings. It ranked behind Supergirl, a new television series, and The Voice, which is a reality show about people who sing. Uh, It had a unique audience of 1.581 million people, which was actually down from last week's 1.76 million rating. So Raw actually lost ratings the night after Hell in a Cell. Shocking. They They have some big problems on their hands here. Shocking. I think people knew Lesnar wasn't going to turn up. After that, yeah, and 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 off you go. Lesnar's the draw. Um, it's lacking any draws. They're, they're, they're very rare. People knew Cena wasn't going to be there either after losing to Del Rio. 
Um, everyone's a smart fan nowadays, so they all know what's going on. And uh, and that's the interesting thing about Cena, too, is that people constantly talk about how they've seen enough of Cena. We don't want any more Cena, but, but I mean, the, the proof is in the numbers. When Cena is on television, the ratings are higher. And they constantly just, decent wrestling matches with with, yes. with with different opponents, with new up-and-coming stars, with, you know, the, this United States title means something because of John Cena. Don't yes. every anybody. I don't want to hear any nonsense from anyone saying otherwise. It can't. It, he has made the title matter. What did we say uh, right at the start? First episode. The titles need to mean something, and all those three mean something, as well as the the divas one. Now they actually mean something now. Yeah. Well, I think it's a change that um, they've made, which has been for the better in that. Title changes, generally speaking, these days are certainly less frequent than we used to see in the Attitude Era when every single week on TV we'd see some title change or another. And as a result, title reigns meant nothing. And uh, they've done well with that. And, uh, you know, when Rollins loses his belt eventually, uh, it will mean something because he's held it for a number of months now. And, uh, you know, it could be Survivor Series, it could be Royal Rumble, it could even be WrestleMania before he drops the belt. But uh, when it happens, it will mean something. Um, so that, that's that been a certain positive. Um, just one correction, Matt, um, on the ratings. Yeah. Uh, the actual uh, numbers I've got are in the region of about 3.4 million viewers. So I think the, the number you quoted earlier might be the, the actual rating rather than the viewership number. Um, in terms of numbers of viewers, um, I, th- I believe it's in the region of about 3.4 over the three hours of the show. Um, okay. And, that, and that's the live number. Um, bear in mind, there's a lot of people that DVR the show and watch it um, over the next seven days. So typically the raw ratings, um, once you account for the plus seven, which is um, ratings for seven days after the actual airing of the first show, um, tend to be anything up to 50% higher. So yeah, the overall- okay. And actually, actually, I was quoting the TV Twitter ratings, whichever, whichever they are. So, right. uh, so my, my mistake on that, but so, so Mo, do you know if, um, based on those numbers that you have, do you know if those ratings were still down um, were, from the previous week? They were virtually the same as last week. Um, okay. I think probably about 20,000 viewers down. Um, so negligible difference in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, coming the night after such a big show uh, when you've got Brock Lesnar and The Undertaking, one of the biggest matches of the year, that has to be considered a disappointment, especially considering the NFL Monday Night Football, um, the rating this week was lower than it was last week. So um, given that, it should have been a bigger number, and it wasn't. Uh, so that would be disappointing. But um, the way that the booking is carrying on in the last few weeks, I just don't think they're particularly bothered. I mean, ratings are at an 18-year low, and we talked about this two or three weeks ago, that it's, it's incredible that ratings are so low and um the stock's the up <laughs> well, the stock yeah. is up the stock's up i don't Red understand and, that, and that's what we say when we when, when when we all got together on this podcast a few months ago and we talked about what was best for business and remember i said the status quo was what was best for business and 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 i i got i got hit a little hard for that but i mean once again <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah. the, the numbers the numbers prove it i mean it, does it make me happy that we're getting formulaic contrived whitewashed sitcom wrestling on Monday nights? No, it doesn't make me happy at all. I want to I want something that I can't wait to tune in for. 
But whatever they're doing it seems to be working because the company's making money. But 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 Matt, uh, if you if you read the dirt sheets and stuff, and I, I, I don't know if you do or not, but they're saying that Vince McMahon's pulling pulling his hair out, his wig off. You know, <laughs> okay. because apparently it's just not it's not what he wants. He wants ratings. It's he's old school. He wants those ratings up. And I think we mentioned this yesterday on Twitter that slowly but surely the advertisers will notice and they will start losing money. Like they won't lose advertisers, but they won't get paid as much. Well, here's the thing. I mean, one of the biggest revenue streams for the WWE is their um, contract with the USA uh, USA network. Mm -hmm. And when that was agreed, their raw ratings were around three, 2.83. Now the way that ratings heady at the moment, um, they're only do- the only direction they're going is below two, and if they get down to one point eight, one point nine, goodness, that that's pretty poor. I mean, yes, I mean they've got a lot of U- YouTube viewers. People watch YouTube raw clips in their hundreds of thousands. So one way or another, um, a lot of people still, in some way, some form, are ca- keeping up with raw. Um, but in terms of live viewers, the numbers are at a record low, uh, 18 years since they've been this low. And um, they've got to be concerned about that. They cannot continue booking in the way they are. And we've talked at length about the reasons why and possible solutions as to why, uh, sorry, as to how they can resolve this. Um, but I, I disagree, Matt. I think that, yes, revenues are set to be record-breaking this year. They're going to make more money than they've ever made. But my argument is this, is that by improving the product, they can make even more money and the ratings can go even higher. And um, that that's the, the only frustration I really have. Why, why, are, why are they not? Why are they not doing that? Are they looking at this from are they looking at this from a corporate perspective and saying, listen, what we're tr- trying to do is, you know, kind of like what the National Football League once tried to do before uh, they had a commissioner that just lost control of the league. And that was, hey. We're going to protect the shield in the same way WWE says we're going to protect our brand. We're going to make our brand family friendly. We're going to make this brand actually mean something corporately so that when investors or when advertisers come and look at WWE, they're going to say this is a viable option because their stock price is up. They're, they're, they're not making a lot of bad PR decisions. Look at, look at their presentation. Yes, they have a nationally syndicated show or a series of nationally syndicated shows. They're looking at the overall picture of this, and if they take risks to make the program a little bit edgier or to draw more eyeballs to it, it may in turn give them higher ratings, but it may hurt the brand overall. What do you gentlemen think about that thought? Well, in the 90s, WWE had a very similar mentality that, oh, we have to be very, very clean in the way we present everything. So if you go back to around 1990, 91, 92, onwards, all the way through till about 96, um, you didn't see any blood, you didn't see any profanity, you didn't see any uh, risque um, segments involving women and how they were dressed or anything of that nature. It was all very, very safe. And where did that get the WWE? Nowhere. I mean, their business was really suffering. And the only reason it turned around is because they decided to become edgier and try to appeal to a more mature audience. And it's funny and ironic in a way that in the Attitude Era is when they actually drew their best ever numbers of um, children watching that show. Um, their viewership numbers for 
11 year old and under at that time was way higher than it is now. And yet it's now that they're actually booking for the 11 year olds. Uh, and it, the numbers of 11 year olds watching the show is, is a lot less than it was. Um, back no, in the nobody wants to be treated like a child. Not, <laughs> not even a child wants to be not treated even like kids. a child. No, no. no they want to watch stuff that's above their age. That's why oh. they sneak into 15 movies. That's why the 15 year olds sneak into 18 movies. This is how it works. You know, that's just simple stuff. Uh, yeah. And they're doing it for sponsors. But you know what? They'd get bigger sponsors. They'd get the adult sponsors. They'd get bigger. Uh, you know, it just, they need to make it edgier. They do. It, it's, the, it's the only way I think that the business will be better. Well, you know, I mean, and it's the, the whole thing is we could run down everything that happened on Raw on, on Monday night. I don't really think it's necessary. No, no, not uh, at all. You know, no. I mean, we could talk about highlights of some of the things that, that we've seen on, on on the show, if that's something that you gentlemen want to talk about. I mean, I, honestly, I think, I think the show was actually, for once, a well-scripted show because okay. it actually had a means to an end, as in they every match meant something. There was an overarching theme in the That's show. That's right. And and those shows are better because you've got more interest as in who's going to actually be in that fatal four-way. And in the end, that fatal four-way was a really decent, you know, it was a was a was something novel. We haven't yes. seen we haven't seen those guys go at, you know, go at each other. So having Del Rio in there with um Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, for example, was great and also Ziggler will always work. You know, he's a good yeah. worker. So yeah. for me, I really enjoyed the main event, actually. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. And one of the, the bonus parts was watching uh, Kevin Owens in the ring and Roman Reigns outside it and the stare down. And it actually got a bit of a reaction. It did. And yeah. I, thought, I mean, it's incredible quite... what happens when you allow stars to grow organically and, and, and allow those moments to take place and have those things happen. I mean, you have a main event featuring... Ziggler, who's still relatively young, Del Rio, who's still rel- relatively young, Owens, who's an up and comer, and Reigns, who's an up and comer. I mean, what a breath of fresh air! Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought yeah. Del Rio played a good part in the in the main event, you know. And they, I think, that having the two, you know, uh, Ziggler and uh, Del Rio in there was was good for the match. They, do you get what I mean? They were they were kind of like the experience in there, which is, <laughs> but well, and they've worked together before as well, so they have yeah. a natural chemistry with each other. Mo, exactly. what did you think of the show overall and and of the main event in particular? In the context of um, Raw and the way it's constrained by the various overarching um, issues that the booking and presentation faces, it was a good show. Um, it set things up for the next few weeks. It set things up for Survivor Series, and um, there was progression there. And it was refreshing um, not to see so much of or to see a complete absence of the usual faces like Cena and Orton, um, which meant more time for others. So so that was welcoming. Um, but as we've talked about at length in previous shows, um, there are some fundamental issues with this show, and um, that's why the kind of crowd reactions and the kind of um, emotional investment that fans make into these characters is just simply not there because um, the way it's booked, it's almost impossible to really, really truly invest in a character um, like you could with an Austin, like you could with a rock. And it's just very different now. I mean, that's a great point. Uh, You, you have, there has to be some sort of payoff. I mean, I look at, I think, again, Cesaro, and I hate beating a dead horse because I talk about him so much, but I just feel like 
he's such a great athlete. He's such a tremendous worker. I mean, he looks like a million bucks. And, and, and I, I really think he could be a star for this company. But they just keep pulling the rug out from under him time and time and time again. And it's like, why would you get emotionally invested in a character when this continues to happen time and, and time again? Or they're the victim of poor booking. Here's the thing, Matt, and, and this, is, this is my theory, is that um, what we get on Raw every week is a result of compromised booking where there are certain individuals in power who want to take the company in one direction and you can look at NXT as a taster of what those forces want to do with the WWE. And then you've got Vince McMahon, on the other hand, who's got a very different idea about the direction of the company. And there's that creative tension where um, neither party really um, triumphs over the other. And so that's why we get this very indifferent booking that one week a character can be pushed to the moon. The next week they can be jobbed out and made to look like a complete jobber. And this is not, this is not helpful um, in getting characters over when there's so much inconsistency in the way that people are booked. It's just not great in any way. So the sooner they decide on a direction and stick to it, the better for everyone because talents like Cesaro and talents like Neville are suffering as a result. And they've got so much to offer this company, um, but they're just not being given an opportunity because there's internal factions that keep on squabbling. And I think that's, that's why uh, Cesaro is in the situation he's in. So you know what you just said there, there's, there's people not being given a chance. And oh, I think here, here it, it comes. I think it's, <laughs> I, I think there's a risk that needs to be taken here because the last star that was organic was hugely organic. And that got me interested to watch every single raw, you know, leading up to mania that, 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 that turned the crowd against the company that, that turned legends against the company to tweet against it. And it doesn't matter how much they say it was a story. Bullshit. You turned it into a story. You turned it into an arc. You turned it into an angle. It was completely organic and you were forced to go with it. And that was Daniel Bryan. And, and really, really, uh, I just don't, I just, I know, uh, Mo, you said yesterday on Twitter as well that, you know, there's a third, there's got to be a third opinion here. His, his doctor signed him off. I think they've got to trust the the star as well. You know, they've got to trust if he's feeling good and he wants to go, this is your last chance. You know, this is your last chance saloon. And if you get injured again, you will just be a trophy for us. You know, we'll just roll you out when we need you for, for, for interviews or whatever. Do you get what I mean? Just roll off your contract, whatever you got left. But they are desperate right now. And this guy will pop every stadium he goes into. And you know what they need to do? They need to turn it into an angle. And there's such a simple angle where they're not signing him off. And he comes in and he keeps on attacking certain members of the authority or people that are aligned with the authority. And he goes after Rollins. He keeps, you know, he keeps doing stuff where it costs him something. Um, he goes after Triple H. He goes after Stephanie. He just has to keep making a nuisance of himself, turning up like Brian Pillman back in the day, like Austin back in the day, turn up, you know, be a nuisance, and people will pop and pop and pop, and it will just 
give him time to, you know, get back into it. And I just think there's an angle there ready, just leading up into the Rumble and Mania. And it's just right there in front of you to take advantage of. And it will be like the old times. I know it's reusing what, what's wor- what worked in the past, but you know what? It, it's a new angle, as in he's got a story arc ready that they're not signing him off. If you did it last time, do it again. Don't let him wrestle for a month or two, but he can come in and kick ass and not take a bump, you know? Yeah, Why not? Yeah. Why not? And just trust him and just have a go because I think all of a sudden when there's that that aspect of something's going to happen somewhere, but you don't know when and you don't know how, people will watch. Yeah, it's a, it's a slightly wider issue that we've got with Daniel Bryan here because the WWE is embroiled in lawsuits involving... Um, ex-employees or ex-independent contractors, if you, um, to use our own terminology, um, involving um, concussions. And the reason WWE isn't letting Dan O'Brien back is because of concussions. So I think they've got one eye on the legal situation in terms of handling people who have got known concussion issues. And Dan O'Brien during his career has had a number of concussions. So, I think he might be victim to uh, a situation that is outside of his own control and outside of his own situation, unfortunately. And um, as long as that lawsuit is um, active, uh, WWE might be reticent to bring him back. And that's that's not great because he's feeling fit. He's feeling ready to go. He's feeling ready to come back and um, you know certainly lift things in the WWE. And they certainly do need a lift. Um, but WWE is reluctant to bring him back, and it's a real shame because I, you know, he's sorry. I know I was going to say sorry, Mo. I was just going to say I think you're on to something there because I, I know that uh, that Mike Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer had reported something um, uh, to that effect and, and saying that there were actually some emails that were exchanged. What is this? Uh, I've not heard of this before. Yeah, that there were actually some, and, and of course this is all hearsay, and this is you know I, I don't know whether any of this is true or not, but what's been reported. Uh, by Meltzer is that um, there were private emails which were sent uh, regarding this issue, and of course, apparently Daniel Bryan had worked several matches after his last injury, and that all this was going on at the same time of this outstanding lawsuit against WWE on behalf of several former uh, WWE wrestlers um, who worked for the company. So, you know, if if this legal controversy does exist, which it does seem like there is some legs here. That could be part of the reason why we're not seeing Daniel Bryan back in active competition. At the same time, you also makes sense. have to look, makes a lot of sense. You, also, you also have to look at the fact that you know Daniel Bryan does have issues with injuries, and he's also an undersized worker, which doesn't do anything for him um, in WWE in in the land of the giants. Or as Mo has pointed out in the, in the past, you know Vince has has what he calls a size fetish, and and I think we've seen over the years that some of these bigger guys have a tendency to, to get pushed to the moon before guys that may be smaller um, but but can, you know, do a better job of working. And so, you know, I think Daniel Bryan has the world stacked against him right now. And one thing that I do fear, and I, I also heard this, apparently Daniel Bryan did an interview recently with WWE.com or perhaps it was on the network in which he was asked if he would return to the indies um, if he couldn't be um, approved for... Uh, for active competition in WWE, and he said something to the effect of, yes, he, he he would do that and started talking about some options. I would hate to see a guy, an athlete like Daniel Bryan, and somebody that um, 
you know, is married now and perhaps will have a family someday, put his, his, his life on the line to go work at a bingo hall somewhere in the United States uh, in front of a couple of hundred people uh, for something like that. I think, you know, a lot of this, too, is WWE trying to protect him against himself. So um, I hope that, um, you know, the right decision is made here regarding his health. It's a well. big shame, isn't it? Because he won the title and then he gets the injury. And it's such a massive shame because he would be huge right now. And him versus Brock would sell out Dallas. It really would. I think that would just be an immense, immense match. And that is the problem. They can't even have the dream match. Well, yeah, that would be the matchup involving probably the two hottest stars in the company. And, um, you know, you could argue that John Cena is a bigger star than Daniel Bryan. But in terms of... Uh, well, he's the biggest. He is the biggest in the in the company, right? Cena has the record of putting us in seats, but I think those two are the most interesting. Let's say. Well, in terms of crowd reactions and fan support, Lesnar and um, Daniel Bryan are way out there. Yeah. Uh, John Cena doesn't even get into the conversation. Well, he he sells the most merchandise, still, right? Yeah, stuff I mean, like that is the biggest draw. Pop- That's what they, they, they. It's the money. It's selling. He's, he's still the the one that pops the rating, this and that. Like Matt was saying earlier, that's the that's the issue. He appeals to a certain demographic, and the demographic that attends WrestleManias is not the same demographic. No, definitely not. Buys the merchandise and uh, helps John Cena be the biggest ratings mover. Um, but that said, you know that that'd be a massive contest, no doubt. And you know you've got to think back to Eddie Guerrero and Brock Lesnar in two thousand and four. You know, there were certain people who thought Lesnar against a small guy just wouldn't work. And that was a glorious example of how it could beautifully work. It was one of the great matches of its time um, in the WWE. And uh, I can easily see Daniel Bryan against Brock Lesnar being a similar David versus Goliath type of uh, situation. And I think it'd be fantastic. Um, But the chances are it's not going to happen. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame because Daniel Bryan is one of the top five or 10 best workers in the business. He's such an amazing talent. And I think if he's not brought back, he will go and work elsewhere. And I don't necessarily think he'll go back and work in bingo halls, but you know, new Japan is the second biggest wrestling company in the world. And, uh, they would welcome him with open arms. He's worked in Japan before. He has a style, which is very conducive to the Japanese style and he can make a lot of money and do very well over there. So his options aren't restricted to working small venues and earning 500 bucks. You know, he can go out there and make a very comfortable living elsewhere. And I think his patience will wear thin. Um, you know, WWE is his home right now. I think he loves being there, but there's only so much he can wait. He's very, very passionate about the business. And, uh, you know, he's certainly not looking like somebody who wants to retire right now. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, if this story, uh, which was uh, reported by Dave Meltzer, gets any more um, any more legs to it, um, and and to see if uh, if there's any truth to this at all as to whether this is a motivating factor. If it is, that's that's the that's where the hands are tied. They have the draw already, you know. Yeah. If they can get the right story, they have the draw ready, and yeah. it would it would be big, you know. It would be big like what they did on the on the road to WrestleMania that year. I think they could actually do it again with him, but. Like you said, there's so many uh, mitigating factors here. This is just such a big shame. Such a big shame. 
Well, you know, and the thing is, too, is before before we wrap up tonight, guys, it, it, the whole point of really the conversations regarding Raw um, have been about just the frustrations and about, you know, needing guys like Daniel Bryan to be a part of the show again. As I was telling uh, both of you before we came on to record tonight, uh, I've been receiving tweets and, you know, personal messages from people just in the last few days talking about just how awful uh, Raw has been. Um, and now, you know, the show for Monday night was was much improved, but at the same time, I mean, the ratings are not indicating that there's any improvement whatsoever. I mean, organically speaking, what, I mean, what, what can possibly happen? What can they do? I mean, what do you expect them to do, if anything at all? Or will we still see the status quo? I mean, is, is this it? Are we, are we in this purgatory, this apathy forever of, 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 the new, of the new Raw? I think there will come a point, there will be a tipping point where Vince and the rest of the creative people will be forced into action. And I don't think that time is any time now. Because if 2.2 ratings aren't that tipping point, then it's got to be a rating below that, maybe a 1.8, 1.7. But when ratings are that low, then surely, surely um, there has to be a change. And as I've argued quite quite strongly, um, there has to be a fundamental change, not just about rearranging the deck chairs. It's about more than that. It's about changing the whole face of Raw, everything, the presentation, the ring entrances and the cameras uh, angles production values graphics the whole lot and on top of that the way characters are presented um needs to be in a different direction edgier is something that i've been pushing talking about for so much um in the podcast that we've been doing and um, this whole safe style and this light-hearted style is just so um sterile it's just devoid of emotion and uh, devoid of any real feeling and that's why fans just aren't getting into characters aren't getting into storylines and aren't getting into feuds the way they used to and that's not me trying to sound like a um an old cynic but you know this is what's happening you know fans even the younger fans are just not getting emotionally invested into it because they aren't given the reason to everything is just put out there uh wins and losses shouldn't don't matter as much as they should. And um, titles do. And we talked about that and we gave credit for that. But that's one of the only small component parts of an overall um, jigsaw. And most pieces in the jigsaw are, are certainly in need of repair. And until they do that, um, we're going to continue suffering this product, I'm afraid. Show lacks heart. It does. And I don't see it changing. I just don't see it changing. It's a shame. I don't see them uh, doing much. If they haven't changed it so far, I think it's going to have to go down to 1.5 for them to absolutely go. What the hell? What, what they tried, didn't they? They put, you know, they bought, they bought, um, they bought Austin and Flair and Michaels. They did nothing, absolutely nothing. They needed to start building. I think that was just they, they didn't even build those. They didn't even advertise those people being on. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, it's it's like going to be like the new Ghostbusters movie. You know, you have these stars come back, but it's just for a cameo appearance. Yeah, they know? need to start building, or they need to start investing in someone and say, right, Austin, we we will pay you X amount of millions or something. Come back and just be a be be the uh, the commissioner and and yeah. bring some comedy back and bring some interaction with some of the big stars. And and have some feuds in terms of you know like a, a you know like the authority, but bring yeah. somebody back that was probably going to be interesting, 
that are, that that people want to see interact with a Roman Reigns and and tell them off or or tell or or, or hype them up or you know g them up you know stuff like that. It's it needs something. Well, I mean, Austin had a moment on Monday night where where he made a brief appearance in uh, in but, an ad for the new video game with the Miz, again, and it was one of the enough. biggest pops of the night. But, oh, I know, but I'm saying just. I'm validating it because yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, it was one of the biggest pops of the night, and he was on television for 30 seconds. Yeah, know, so and they've had to pay him to be there for 30 seconds. <laughs> Just yeah. crazy. So there you have it. Mm. All right, guys. Well, listen, we've had a really, really good show. We got to get out of here. Um, any uh, shameless plugs, uh, Mo? What, what what you got going on right now? You got anything to plug? Are you writing a book or anything? What do you got? <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm being extremely lazy. Um, you know, I claim to be a writer. I've been writing for so many years. I've done absolutely nothing. Um, the only thing I suppose I can plug is that um, I recently um, was um, part of the voting panel for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, which is probably next to the WWE Hall of Fame, the second best known wrestling Hall of Fame in the industry. And um, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame issue will be released very soon. And... Um, on Twitter, I will be revealing who I voted for. Um, I voted for 10 individuals, and um, that's always a very special issue uh, where we celebrate some of the greatest talents um, to have ever stepped foot in the squared circle. And um, that's something that if people haven't checked out, um, I certainly would urge you to do so. It's, it's one of the great publications. I know we talk about dirt sheets and whatnot, but it's a great publication, the amount of news that's in there is absolutely fantastic and uh you know i certainly would recommend people to check it out awesome and that might be a good conversation for a future pod as well some of your uh some of your selections mm, no so, doubt. Uh, so there you go gags uh anything you'd like to plug before we get out i mean you have a million things going on yeah just uh, if you're listening then uh, you probably have the app <laughs> yeah. but the android app is being built and uh, it's going very very well so it should be out very soon so fingers crossed it's out soon for all the uh, android listeners out there you'll have a nice shiny app as well awesome very exciting stuff well thanks to everybody for listening you can check me out on twitter at matt topolsky check out some of the other product or uh, products products, products. projects <laughs> <laughs> products <laughs> billy mays here um yeah we've got plenty of uh, projects coming up i'm doing a few other uh, podcasts as well and got some some new news coming in 2016 so check out mattopolsky.com it's a website where you can see everything i'm involved in and then of course reality of wrestling um we have broken ground on a brand new 21,000 square foot facility here in houston where we will be uh, filming live television uh, for our show as it continues to grow. So check out realityofwrestling.com as well. We have new episodes on YouTube every week. And one last That's plug, it. if yeah. you're a Liverpool fan, which you most likely are, these two are going to be on a pod very, very soon. So look out for that. Oh, yes, the uh, the Reds Review, I believe. Yes. yes. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Reviewing so, uh, that... the biggest month in Liverpool's recent history. <laughs> so no pressure, lads. Yeah. <laughs> thanks uh, for that. Should be fun. Don't don't screw it up. Break a leg. <laughs> well, thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with more of the Pro Wrestling Index, gentlemen. Thanks for being on. Thank and, you. Thanks uh, for having me again. Cheers. Thanks.